Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I bring you warm Christian greetings to my brothers and sisters uh, with the Re Revive 2020 Conference and the Commission family of churches. It's an honor to be with you today. I don't need to tell you that the world is a dark place at the moment. If you had told me any time in February that I would be living through a global pandemic, I would have told you that you were crazy. I had prior to that never on a single day of my life thought uh, I would be living through something like the COVID-19 pandemic. If you told me the streets of the United States would right now be packed with protesters, that I would have believed. Sometimes the darkness of the world uh, surprises us like a pandemic. Sometimes, other times, the darkness is known to us. It's regular. It's stubborn. It exerts itself again and again uh, to capture more territory in the hearts of humanity. We live in a moment in history when we cannot deny the world's darkness. It lurks and it leaps at us. So we must consider it, and we must respond to it. As our text makes plain this morning, uh, the Christian is in the earth for such a time as this. As Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once put it during the Civil Rights Movement, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. And it is light in a surprising source that God has left in the world to dispel the darkness. Our text this morning uh, outlines itself in, in three points, three ways. We want to observe the, the thesis of verse 13. We want to consider two implications of that thesis in verses 13, 14, 15. Uh, and then we want to consider the application that the Lord Jesus gives us uh, in our text. First of all, consider the Lord's thesis. It's there in verse 13. He said it very plainly. You are the light of the world. The you there, of course, are his disciples. And I read that statement. You are the light of the world. And I am made to stagger in wonder. I stagger because of the one who says this. The Bible tells us that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. He is the light. John opens his gospel in John chapter 1, verse 4, and says, In him was life, and that life was the what? Light of all men. 
So the one who is now calling us light is himself the life and the light of all men. John chapter 1 verse 8 says that John the Baptist, the greatest man ever born of a woman, came to testify to that light, but he himself was not that light. Christ is the light. And again, it is Christ Jesus who is here, the light himself, telling us that we are the light of the world. And it's because his life is in us if we are Christians. We have been joined to him through faith in him and, and united to him now. His life is at work in us and that life is giving us life and making us light in a dark world. It's a staggering demonstration of transformation. It's a, it's a brilliant description of regeneration the God who is light in whom there is no darkness at all says to us former sinners you are now light like me but verse 13 is remarkable for a second reason we are not lights to ourselves we're not merely lights to one another in our churches we are meant to be lights that shine into the entire expanse of the earth among all of humanity we are light notice to the world the world so full of chaos at the moment. The world so certain it does not need God. The world so busily inventing new ways to sin against God. To this dark and decaying world, Christ sends us out as so many lights to illumine and dispel the darkness. This means there is no escape from the darkness except through you, beloved, except through Christ's people who are the lights who light the way. And Jesus has not left schools to be light. Our Lord has not made secular philosophers to be the light. We all know he has not made politicians to be the light. Our Savior has taken fishermen and tax collectors. He has gathered together zealots and prostitutes. And by the Holy Spirit's regeneration, ordinary men and women, once lost in darkness themselves, are snatched from that darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's Son. And they radiate the light of Christ and the light of God's kingdom. In the United States at the moment, a lot of Christians feel inadequate in the face of the darkness. They feel impotent in light of George Floyd's murder. They, they feel paralyzed in light of the uh, murder of Breonna Taylor and other examples of police mistreatment and brutality. They feel powerless before a buffoon president and a militarized police department. We feel inadequate because the evangelical church itself is divided and misguided. Maybe you relate. In the UK, I hear brothers and sisters expressing inadequacy over similar issues. I hear you expressing insignificance because you feel your numbers are small in light of the rich history of the gospel and the church that you've once known. You express impotence because the culture is regarded as post-Christian. 
you may feel insecure uh, in the culture. We come to a verse like verse 13 where Jesus says unequivocally that you are the light of the world and all of a sudden, immediately, our inadequacies are challenged. Our insecurities and uncertainties are, as the young people here say, put on blast. We must deal with this feeling of insecurity and, and inadequacy and incompetence and, uh, and, and, and uh, a lack of power. We must deal with it in light of the truth of God's word. We may say with the Apostle Paul, who is sufficient for these things? Whether they be gospel things or whether they be cultural things, who, who is sufficient? But notice that the text, verse 13, does not say that you are powerful. It does not say that you are popular. It does not say you have all the answers. We are not the powerful in this world. We are not the popular in this world. We're not the people with the answers to all of, all of the problems that, that folks discover. And yet, we are, in fact, the light of the world. So in this text, being light has nothing to do with power. Being light has nothing to do with popularity and numbers. Being light has nothing to do with worldly vision for worldly problems. Being light has everything to do with being Christ and having him live in us. That he lives in us by faith. And that we are in fact light. Well, it, it is a fact. An unchangeable fact, a rock solid fact, and a scripturated, written in divine word fact. So we deal with the inadequacy we feel by first learning the fact and then simply existing as Christ's light in the world. But beloved, that's who you are. You are the light of the world. Now that has at least two implications. We see it in our text in verses um, 14 and 15. Jesus goes on to give two metaphors there. He says, a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. Here's the first implication of that fact that you are the light of the world. Implication number one, you cannot be hidden. You cannot be hidden. That's the point of the metaphor of the town or the city on the hill. The Lord is still describing us as, as the light of the world. And the reason a town or a city on the hill cannot be hidden is because it, it's lifted up and it gives off light to the valley and the landscape beneath it. The pinpoints of light emanating from homes with candles in the window or lights turned on or the warm glow of a hearth that illumines the darkness. You cannot cover that town with a dome or shield it in a way that hides that light. So it is with the Christian church. You are unhidden with illuminating brilliance. Lighting up the landscape, lighting up the cityscape. You, you cannot be covered, church. There's no blanket or dome or light switch that can extinguish your glow or dampen your blaze. You reveal. You illumine. 
And here's the freeing thing. It's a really freeing thing. You bring light simply by being you. Simply by being a Christian, you illumine the dark world. Remember, the thesis in verse 13 is an indicative. It is a statement of fact. It is not an imperative. God is not in verse 13 saying, go be light. He's saying you, in fact, are light. There's no special program to join. There's no school for the super Christian to become the light of the world. This text applies to us in all of our ordinariness, all of our run-of-the-mill averageness. We are average James and Joes, seemingly insignificant in ourselves. But whether we are changing a baby's napkins, walking the dog, going to the office or the factory for a day's work, cooking for the family, or driving a neighbor on an errand, there we are, light, shining, glowing, pulsing, and lighting the way. There's nothing for us to do. There's simply something for us to be, the light of the world. Just be the Christ-like one the Lord has made you to be, and your life as light cannot be hidden. And here's the second implication. You should not hide. That, I think, is what is implied in verse 15. We should not hide ourselves. We all feel, from time to time, the tendency to shrink back as Christians. I, I know I do. We feel hesitant to shine. We don't want to bring attention to ourselves or um, we don't want to make things socially awkward for others by talking about Jesus. Or we really would rather not face rejection and suffering or persecution. So we feel this impulse to, to hide, to cover ourselves with the fig leaves of our own making, to pull back, to disappear. That's an almost universal experience among Christians. Preachers like me feel it. Teenagers among their friends feel it. Adults in the workplace and uh, among family who don't believe in Christ, we feel it. But we must not attempt to hide. Notice now, we, we are the light. We must do what everyone does with the light. We must put it on its stand. We must lift it up. So far from hiding the light, we should exalt it. Here's a remarkable thing, beloved. When we're feeling all insecure and small in number, and, and we're wondering whether or not our life brings glory to Christ. Here's the, here's the, here's the wonderful thing. Light has never lost a battle with darkness. Light is undefeated. Light, light wears the championship belt. Light is the Lennox Lewis that, that ruled the, at once upon a time the heavyweight boxing world. Light is the Conor McGregor of, of MMA. We are the light. We are the ones who are winning simply by being light. John 1.5 says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That refers, of course, to our Lord Jesus Christ coming into this dark world. But it also refers to Jesus remaining in the world through his people. Don't hide him. Exalt him. 
Darkness cannot overcome him. We cannot be hidden and we should not attempt to hide. So come out, live, live boldly for Christ. Live outwardly as a Christian. Not in that superficial, wear it on your sleeve kind of way that hurts everybody, but, but in that genuine way, in that honest way, where Christ is so deep in the heart that he oozes from our pores. Come out, don't hide him, exalt him, lift him up. Let the light that he has made you to be shine as the noonday sun. What does it matter that the number of Christians in the total population of the UK is small? Our Lord Jesus started his movement with 12 men, 120 disciples after three years of ministry, and turned the world upside down. I'm led to suspect that you are precisely the right size for Christ to get all the glory and for the light to shine in a pinpoint way in a dark world. That should bring us then to our third thing. How do we apply this? Well, I love it when the Bible makes the application for the preacher. It makes the preacher's work really easy. That's what happens in verse 16. Our Lord tells us the point of his teaching and what we should do given the truth of that teaching. Notice there in verse 16. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So in the same way that a town on a hill cannot be hidden or a lamp on a stand gives light to everyone in the house, uh, in that same way, the Christian is to shine before others. Now, let your light shine. Shine before others gets defined, notice, by them seeing your good deeds. So the shining light is the good deeds of the saints here. Now, this is not proud peacock exhibitionism. This is not the Christian equivalent of, of, of sort of spreading our tail feathers and our plumes and, and drawing attention to ourselves. Not unto us, not unto us, but to your name be all the glory is the Christian's anthem. This is not an excuse for Christians to build platforms, that dread word so attached to the celebrity culture of the Christian world. The only platform Christ had was a cross. And die on for our redemption. No, the Lord Jesus is calling us to live the Christian life openly, publicly, and intentionally. The Master calls us to a life dedicated to good deeds, works of virtue, mercy, and brilliance. These deeds are meant to be done in a way that makes them accessible to those who are in the dark, those who do not yet see by the light. They are to see your good works and seeing our good works. Notice they are to be led then to glorify our father in heaven. So how do heathens come to praise the God of heaven? Well, does this text not say that one way? It's through the good works of Christians. So think about your life. Are they... Is your life marked by good works visible in a dark world? Think about your life. Is your life marked by the kinds of works that would provoke even unbelieving people to praise our Father in heaven? Or is it possible 
that the inadequacy and the incompetence and the insecurity that we sometimes feel in our churches comes from the fact that we have fashioned a Christianity so nervous about works righteousness that we have emptied the faith of any emphasis on good works themselves. Is it possible that we have closed curtains around the light of good works so much that we don't even think good works are necessary anymore? Here's how you know that you might have done that. You can't recall the last time, if ever, your preacher commanded you, commanded you, as the Bible instructs, to do good works. It all seems very optional to you and burdensome rather than essential to the faith. Or you don't have any specific plan to do any good for others who are not Christians. Perhaps by chance, when it's convenient, you may do something good, but you don't have any specific plan, any dedicated list of actions to do good works. If those things are true, beloved, then a hole has been cut in the bottom of your religion and the Bible's call to, the, to be the light of the world through good works has leaked out. We need to recover it. So here's my challenge. Spend some time this week considering these questions. Number one, what are the needs in my community? What opportunities for good works do they offer? What are the needs in my community? And what opportunities for good works do they offer? Number two, what interests and skills can I match to one or more of those needs? So what interests do you have? What skills do you have? Can you pair together with a need in your community and begin to do good works in service to that need and those people? Number three, who can I bring along with me to partner uh, in doing good works to the praise of God of our, our Father? So who can I grab? Who can I, who can I lock arms with to do this work so that the light's magnified, um, not simply solely by my being an individual candle, but, but soon by the constellation of many lights that then begin to blaze as the noonday sun? Who can you bring along with you? Beloved, if the Christian church is going to make a difference in the midst of pandemics and during the outbreak of injustice and protests in our city streets, we will have to be the light that we are. We will have to show that light by our works done in faith, hope, and love. We will have to lift up those good works so that men would have light by which to see and praise God our Father. Otherwise, we're playing church with no real plan to save the world. May it never be so. And it could be that you're listening to this right now and you are not yet the light of the world because you are not yet a Christian. That means you are still in darkness as all of us once were. Well, you do realize that the people you're sitting with watching this, that, that they are by God's grace and kindness to you, if they are Christians, they are lights there meant to show you the way. Talk with them about what it really means to be a Christian. Talk with them about the state of your soul. Talk with them about the darkness that you live in. And listen to them. For in the message that they give you, the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
you will begin to acquire light. For Jesus came into the world not to condemn the world, but to save the world, to give himself as a sacrifice for our sins. In our place, he died the death that we deserve and suffered the judgment that we deserve. But God raised him from the grave three days later, and in his resurrection, he has defeated death for us, and God has said to us that he is pleased with his son's sacrifice on our behalf. So that now God calls everyone everywhere to repent of sin and to believe in Jesus and to follow him uh, in the obedience that comes from faith. That faith will make you light. It will change your life. And God will make you to shine for his glory. So we want you too to be light. We want you too to be added to the many other lights that God has, has lit so that together we dispel the darkness of this fallen world. Put your faith in Christ, trust in him, and you will be saved. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the work you have done to rescue us from sin through your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that in him, we have become the light of the world. We thank you that that's a fact that's true of us, because you have made it to be so. And we thank you that you have called us into this ministry of making that light known, visible, seen among unbelievers through the good works that you've called us to. Only give us grace to do them. And by doing them, grant us grace to change the world, to bring light into the darkness. In Jesus' name.